You ask a question, intently listen to the answers, and then you can ask the next question off of that. It's not about going through sample OPQRST. It's about listening to what they say and then digging deeper in. This episode of EMS One Stop is brought to you by Lexapol, the experts in policy, training, wellness support, and grants assistance for first responders and government leaders. To learn more, visit lexapol.com. That's L-E-X-I-P-O-L.com. Hello and welcome back to another edition of EMS One Stop. I'm your host, Rob Lawrence, and don't forget... We're now on a brand new channel all on our own. Now, we separated from the Inside EMS boys. Uh, we love you all, but actually, we're now flying alone. And so, of course, please like and subscribe. I'll get that in early before you go away anywhere. Anyway, on to the main guest this week. I'm delighted to welcome the Chief Growth Officer for Pulsara, Chris Cool. Chris, welcome, sir. Oh, man, what a pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. For full disclosure, we're both sitting here looking at each other on the screen, drinking really good coffee. For further full disclosure, we spent all weekend drinking other stuff as well, perhaps. And uh, the reason why is because we were up in Montana in Billings at the Big Sky EMS conference. And I've got to say, if you need to go to a regional conference that's friendly, welcoming, and with some amazing education, head for Montana next year. Anyway, let's talk about that first, Chris, because of course you and I were there presenting. Um, tell us about the Big Sky EMS conference. Let's give it some uh, some love. Yeah, so the Big Sky EMS symposium, Lindy Gercheck, and we were counting the years. It's shy of 30, but like right around 25, 26, 27 years it's been going on. They have a really cool format, and this was a all-time high. And, you know, I'm partial. I'm from Montana, and I am biased when I talk about this, but I think that there's a lot of value in high-performance, busy urban systems, but everybody talks about that. I think there's equal value in the underserved rural communities that every one transport is two, three, four, five, six, seven hours. And you have people who have low call volume, under-resourced, caring about the community. I always say they're a plumber by day and volunteer EMT at night. And yet the level of care, the critical nature of their patients and what they're held to, that standard is so amazingly high. And so at this conference, they basically do it like every one is a general session. Every presentation is a keynote. And there must have been um, over 250 people in this room engaged. And Lindy and her team just do a fantastic job of saying, who are some of the industry's best speakers, textbook authors? Uh, nationally recognized uh, influencers, and how do I get them to sit down and share their story and and impart wisdom or thoughts and ideas to our team in Montana? It's very well received. It keeps growing. And you're right. Come to Montana. It's fantastic. I want to pick up on something you said there, because there's only one other conference where every session is a plenary, is a keynote, and has that same influence and effect on people. And for you folk in Montana, I have to tell you, it's Eagles, okay? It's the only other place they I've seen that they do that. And you get the benefit of really cool speakers, uh, including you, Chris. Uh, also, let's shout out to Dan Batsy and Joe Mistovich, who are also legendary EMS speakers. 
the chance to benefit their wisdom and their words and everybody gets it together. The other thing I'm going to pick up on is I came from a rural part of uh, the UK, the east of England, where people said, ah, oh, you're all farmers and you, do, you don't do a lot of uh, you know, good medicine. To your point, yeah, but when you've got an hour to the next hospital, you have to be a really good medic. Yeah, and there's no hiding, right? So you're in Las Vegas and you know, I have a short transport time, 5, 10, 15 minutes maybe, and I have to pick which one of my trauma centers and then which one of those triage nurses who there's a lot of turnover right now. And so, you know, there's an opportunity to be anonymous. And let's give a shout out to urban urban environment, right? Call volume after call volume, long wall, wall times, uh, lots of skill retention, lots of patience. On the flip side, it's the opposite of that where when you transport that patient, that doc probably has your personal number in their phone and they expect to call you up and ask you some questions that are at the mid-level or even uh, paramedic level or even physician level. And as an EMT, they want to know that good history and they want to know and ask you follow-up questions. If you've watched the Dr. Glackham Flecken um, skits on uh, you know rural medicine it's just that. And uh, it. when I went to Montana this weekend, it, it took me back also to chatting with some mates from the Royal Flying Doctor Service. You know, A, when, you know, the farmer's pain score, what is a 10 for us is a two for them. And also just the resilience of people out in, in these areas. But it doesn't take away from the fact is you need to have a good system. And obviously a lot of helicopters, that's what you do in your kind of spare time. Um, and, a, and a great chain of evacuation to get these people from literally the middle of nowhere to places where they can get definitive care. And so we shouldn't uh, underestimate that. If you need a good regional conference, you're on the left coast, or it doesn't matter which coast you're on, actually. Montana has an outstanding EMS conference, and I commend that you look it up next year. Actually, some friends of mine have already gone, wow, I didn't know that was going on. I'm going to have to mark that up for next year. So hopefully, let's see if we can help grow it through this podcast and, and other things. Anyway, the reason I asked you, Chris, to come on this morning is because you gave an amazing session. Why do we call 911 and other associated questions? You'll give me the full title in a second. But it really struck me over, of course, you know, the narrative, the history taking, and the way that we achieve that has to be top rate for, for many, many reasons, whether it's, you know, from the good old fashioned billing through to the fact you're now in the dock under oath talking about what you just wrote and everything in the middle. And so talk us through that, Chris. Yeah, it started by, uh, you know, my background is pre-hospital medicine, just under 30 years. Next year will be my 30-year anniversary. And everything from an EMT and rural areas to urban to the last 10, 12 years has been critical care flight medicine. And in that, um, there's even been opportunities to run an ambulance service. So I've kind of seen the whole gamut. And over the past year, I've been really digging into this concept of what makes a physician, medic, nurse, mid-level PA, nurse practitioner. I'm looking at all these scopes, EMT, and what is the difference between us and our scope of medicine and a physician? And if you think, well, skills, I don't know, right? Uh, certainly, physicians, if I'll, I'll just use that to simplify, can start IVs, they put in chest tubes, they do these things. There might be a few other additional skills. They're better at reading imaging. They might do a lumbar puncture. But it's not actually the skills that separate us from a physician. It's their medical knowledge and their ability or interest to ask really good questions. And so I went back and I said, let's talk about medical history. And beyond that, I think we should start the beginning of 
what I like to do is maybe a real quick uh, starting at the beginning and drawing a, you know, snapping the chalk line of like, let's start here with sample OPQRST quickly, walk through maybe a quick case scenario of just a few questions. And then let's dig in. I have these uh, hacks I'd like to share with you, Rob, of like these different hacks of making us better medical question individuals. And with your permission, I'll put those hacks in the show notes. And also the rather cool video you shared of situational awareness. Uh, I won't issue any spoilers now, but I think that was absolutely outstanding as well. So if we can do that, we'll we'll put that in the show notes too. So anyway, do carry on. Yeah. So just starting at the beginning, we can do a lot of things, right? We do a lot of things every day. Some we eat sometimes, we read sometimes, we exercise some of us a lot, some of us rarely. We work sometimes, we play. Every day we communicate. And communicating is an art. It's something, especially medical history communicating, is something that takes a lot of practice. And you know that when we start, we start at the basics and say, hey, uh, here's the basic, very simple questions you need to ask. And we use acronyms in our industry. So you have the word sample, O-P-Q-R-S-T. And uh, it's probably not uncommon to most of those that are listening today that when you're first learning that, you actually put a piece of like two inch tape on your leg and you write the uh, S-A-M-P-L-E-O-P-Q-R-S-T. And as you're going into your scenarios or learning your skills, you kind of walk through that. But that isn't the end of our medical history. I look at that as the beginning. Really, the basis of a good history takes practice, it takes patience, it takes understanding, and it takes concentration. And Rob, I'll I'll tell you, in our best day, with our best patients, there's still this wall of resistance. They're in pain. They may be the elderly or the very young. They might have cultural differences than us. They may be sick or lethargic, altered mental status. They may have different language barriers. And then let's talk about us. It's unfair to think that we would be at our best every day, every time. So we may be tired or have things going on in our personal life. So we have this wall of resistance and we have to get over that. And so this whole communicating and this entire history taking is a practice intentional skill. And studies out there show that, hey, we might be able to 70% of the time make a diagnosis based on just history alone. So that was the history of history. But take us into the hacks. Yes. So let's start at the beginning, right? There's a sample, right? And we know that signs and symptoms, allergies, medications, past medical history, last oral intake, events leading up to this, onset provokes the quality, radiates severity, and time. So I respond, rural EMS as an EMT to a person not feeling well. And I say, hey, what's going on today? And they say, well, I'm weak. I can't catch my breath. Do you have any allergies? None that I'm aware of. Okay. Any medications? Uh, I was recently prescribed some heart medications. All right. How about any past medical history that pertains to this? Oh, I had a cardiac workup last week ago. And have you eaten today? Uh, Lunch was about two hours ago. And then what happened is that I started taking the dog for a walk and started to not feel very good. Couldn't catch my breath and sat down. All right. So you said about 10 minutes ago. Yeah. Well, what makes it worse? Well, as I continued to walk, it got worse, but it feels a little bit better when I sit down. Um, Tell me about that pain. Well, I wouldn't even describe it as pain. It's like, it's more of a pressure. Well, does it radiate anywhere? 
uh, I don't even know what radiating means. I'm like, oh yeah, do you feel any other pain anywhere? Maybe a little bit in my jaw, I don't know. On a scale from one to 10, 10 being the worst pressure you've ever felt, what would you put this at? Mm, four. Uh, anything else going on in the last year? Uh, no, just this cardiac history. It's been going on since about January, right? Those are the back to the basics. Now, I'm going to talk to you, just like Rob has asked, of like, what are some of the hacks that can make us better? Because the idea, and Maya Angelou, she said, do the best you can until you know better. Then when you know better, do better. And so this got me thinking, how, let me listen to some podcasts, Rob. Let me read articles. Let me study about how to take good histories. You know what? There wasn't very much to go on. I had a lot of trouble finding any podcasts any articles, any, you know, tricks or tips uh, to find this. And so I started thinking, who else asks lots and lots of questions? And who there makes really good interviews or a really good interviewer? And after a ton of studying, I basically narrowed it down to murder mysteries, whether you watch murder mysteries on TV or you play murder mysteries, people who play a lot of games, solving riddles, People who think differently, strong situational awareness, detectives, interviewers on whether it's TV or podcasts. And this cornerstone is this like really understanding medicine to ask the right questions. Well, I'm just going to jump in before you carry on and say we had this discussion about, uh, you know, who's a good interviewer. And uh, my response to you was as a podcaster, I'm going to ask the question and then I'm just going to listen because you've got more information than I have. So keep going and I'm listening. Yeah, that's one of the hacks, right? So history taking hack number one. And of course, these are not, maybe I should trademark this. These are Chris Call's owned biased uh, anecdotal history hack taking number one. And the first one is think like a detective. My wife and I were recently spending time re-watching all of the Castle series with Kate Beckett and Richard Castle, right? And he's an author and a writer. She's a captain in the LAPD. They're in there and they are working on, and almost every way when it looks like it's going to go one direction, by asking more questions, they get a better picture. So they don't just say, uh, what's your pain on a scale from one to four and say, oh, it's four. They're like, has it gotten worse? Has it gotten better? And if someone's like, well, it's gotten better. Like, oh, what made it better? Well, when I relaxed, have you had this before? Like, they just keep asking questions and questions. So hack number one is think like a detective. History taking hack number two is playing games. We have this game. It's a Milton Bradley game back in the 80s, maybe early 90s called Crack the Case. And basically it says, hey, here's the scenario. You ask the scenario. And then I can only, as the person who knows the answer, I can only tell everybody else in the room that I can only answer yes, no, or doesn't uh, pertain to this case. And so the scenario that I would give you, if I pulled out this box and I read the question on crack the case, this game, it says, there is a gal, she is now missing, nowhere to be found. Everything of her belongings are still there, including all of her clothes she was wearing that day, laying in a puddle of water. Well, that's it. I need to solve this case. But as you start asking questions, is this a real person? No. Is this a story? Yes. Is it from a movie? Yes. As you start walking through, you actually discover that this is from Wizard of Oz. It's the Wicked Witch. And when Dorothy put water on her and she melted and left, it left her clothes there. And so that was the answer. 
So by playing games and playing these solving type games, you start asking a lot of these questions. So that was Crack the Case. And Chris, we're going to crack this case after a message from our sponsor. Lexapol empowers first responders and public servants to best meet the needs of their residents safely and responsibly, serving more than 2 million public safety and government professionals in over 8,000 agencies and municipalities. Lexapol offers a range of solutions that includes policies, training, behavioral health resources, news and analysis, and grant assistance services for law enforcement, fire rescue, EMS, local government, and other agencies dedicated to public safety. To learn more, visit lexipol.com. That's L-E-X-I-P-O-L.com. We are talking to Chris Call, Chief Growth Officer for Pulsara, and about uh, his lecture, amazing lecture, at the Big Sky EMS Symposium in Montana this last weekend. And we're on to, I think, hack number three. Exactly, which is, is hack number three is how do I practice and become a better questioner? How do I become a better medical history taker. Hack number three is riddles. I can give you a riddle. The first one is there's a gentleman, he's been imprisoned. He has a shovel. Why does he have a shovel in a, in a cell? Well, I'm the one putting the riddle, so it just is. And so he's in this closed cell. There's no windows. There is a skylight above him. And he knows that if he uses the shovel to dig a hole, it hits concrete and there's no way he can get past and dig a tunnel out. But yet every day he's digging and digging and digging and digging. Why is he digging? Well, as you start asking the questions, it's the concept of thinking differently, right? The idea is he's digging not because of the hole, but because of the pile of dirt that he's making. The more that he digs holes, the more dirt he has to climb up and get out and escape from the skylight. The other riddle that I share is there's uh, two men, they're football aficionados. One's a tall, lanky kicker of a football team. And the other one is, and when I say football, Rob, I'm talking American football. For my international audience, of course, uh, we're talking about uh, the other football, not association football. Sorry, do go on. Yes, exactly. And so this football player, you have the kicker. Uh, and then you have this linebacker, big guy, right? And they sit down and they both order the same drink. All of a sudden, the linebacker gets or the kicker gets a phone call. He looks at his phone and he says, oh, I have to go. He downs his drink quickly and leaves. The other one, the big linebacker, continues to sip on his drink while he's watching the game. Over the period of a couple hours, he finishes his drink. He leaves. Later, he is found dead. What happened? And as you go, start to go through, like, was there a difference between the people? No. Was it because one guy was big and one was skinny? No. Were their drinks different? No. Were their drinks identical? Yes. Was it something that was in the drink, right? You can keep asking these questions with yes or no answers. And the answer to the riddle is, well, the person who drank slowly, the poison wasn't in the drink, but it was in the ice cubes. So as he drank slowly, the ice cubes melted, put the poison into the drink, and that's why he died, right? So that's history taking hack number three, asking a lot of questions and practicing riddles. History taking hack number four, thinking outside the box. You've all seen it. There are, and I have to do a shout out to Joe Mistovich and Dan Limmer on a, there's a chapter in the EMT Brady book of Dan Limmer's that says, how do we think critically? And there was this concept of, and you people can Google it out there, of thinking outside the box. 
And that's actually the spoiler alert. There's nine dots, kind of like tic-tac-toe. There's three across the top, three in the middle, three at the bottom. How do you connect them with just four lines? And the answer is it's impossible to do unless you break the rules. There were no rules. I just said, how do you connect all nine dots? But because we put our own societal rules on here, it's impossible to connect all nine dots with four lines unless you go outside that box and make a bigger set of lines. And in the show notes, we'll send links to these different areas and this, but one of them is just think differently, think creatively, think outside the box. Think outside the box, a bit like the uh, Kobayashi Maru exam, uh, where Captain Kirk uh, did uh, go outside of the conventions of the rules in order to achieve a victory. And so, uh, yes, we have to be able to think creatively in order to be successful. Oh, wow, Rob. That was actually uh, both uh, timely and a little bit geeky for those of you like myself who are sci-fi geeks. So tell us that story. Well, in order, as we all know, right, Chris, in order to graduate from the Starfleet Academy, you have to to pass that capstone class, that final test, that final exercise, that final you know hill that you have to climb in order to succeed. And of course, the the Kobayashi Maru was set up to be unachievable uh, within the conventions of normal thinking and normal operating and normal training. However, Captain James T. Kirk would always go boldly further than anybody else. And he thought outside the box. He thought outside the rules. He thought outside the conventions in order to achieve it. Now, of course, he was then taken to task. You basically cheated. No, I didn't cheat. I actually thought differently and went a different way about achieving the objective, which was to succeed in the final exam. And so it's about the way that you think and the way that you operate and coming back to the way that you take history. So, you know, if you're a sci-fi geek, Kobe Archie Maru, carry on with the next, uh, the next hack, Chris. I love it. And then the next hack is talking about history taking hack number five, which is you need to have an understanding of medicine. My favorite words of wisdom, and I had a lot of them. We could always do one on pearls and words of wisdom. My one word of wisdom is that if you're starting out in EMS or you've been doing it for 20 years, my one thing that I was told very early on in my career, and I would implore you now because it's so easy to do and much easier now than it was back then, is that after every call, read something about that call. I recently flew a patient that was bitten by a rattlesnake. And yes, we have COVAB, don't suck the poison, don't do big tourniquets, you know, mobilize it. There's all these like kind of basic things. But I'm like, the hemodynamic challenges with a patient who is bit by the rattlesnake and all these things. I'm like, wow, what is going, this is crazy. And I read and read and read about it after the call. And so if you do that, imagine after every call, you just read one thing about that case, you're going to be that much better of a clinician over the next month, over the next weeks, over the next few years. And that's where we say, oh, all this experience and training. So that life hack number five, very succinctly is understand medical medicine, medical medicine, and I, I, medical medicine doesn't have alliteration. But what I'm saying is, think about that person who fainted. And how often have we gone to somebody who just fainted and we asked them, they're like, I'm feeling good, no chest pain, no difficulty breathing, I'm okay. I just want to go back. I just maybe I'm just too hot, or I haven't drank water, I haven't eaten. And they're giving you all these little reasons. And how often have we said, okay, well, if you don't want to go call us back later, sign this refusal. And yet, that's the difference between us and a physician, right? A physician looks at their medical textbook 
and they have column after column and just a list in one column, two column, page two, column three, column four, page three, column five, column six, page four. They have eight columns of all the reasons why that person could have fainted. And when they dig in, how many of those sinkable episodes could be fatal? And by just asking a couple more questions, they can rule out a lot of those. And so it's not, oh, I fainted, I feel good, you're fine. It's you fainted, you say you feel good. Let me ask more medical questions because I'm thinking of all the reasons why somebody could have a sinkable episode. And many of them are very serious. And I want to make sure that we rule those out. Medical medicine, you've just planted that in my ear, Chris, because I'm, one of the things I'm working on right now is an article on what Dr. Seuss learned at med school. And of course, it's all about alliteration and repetition. So thank you for medical medicine. I'm going to use that as I go forward. Wait, so you have Dr. Seuss, alliterations and medicine. Uh, do you have any of these started? Can you share? <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm written one about uh, acronyms. And uh, here goes. So this is this is the world premiere of this particular poem. A menu of medical medical soup confuses the layman. Throw some for a loop. Stemi and Mercer, Rabda Reboa, CPAP to C. diff, ECMO, Ebola. COVID and salad, cabbage and hives, Munchausen by proxy, CPR, saving lives. There we are. That's my opening. <laughs> this is fantastic. <laughs> I love this. You know, as that great philosopher Elmo once said, it's incredible where you can go in your imagination. And that's why I love writing and being creative. Sorry, we're going totally oh, off track. Let's go back into history. Rob, these are fantastic. <laughs> well, and you're bringing color and commentary to this. So our history taking hack number six talks about all the types of ways we can communicate. Think about communicating 101, that college level class or in high school or grammar school, you learn public speaking or to speak and present in front of the classroom. You have a reading class. You might have a writing class. But you know what we don't have, Rob, is a listening class. And listening is different than hearing. Hearing is continuous. It's natural. It's passive. But listening is intermittent. It's learned. It's active. It requires concentration. And you have to choose to participate. It's not just about the medic with the patient there. As I say to supervisors, gentlemen, ladies, if you're doing all the talking, you're not doing all the listening. Yeah, I had this great quote from Sir William Osler that said, always listen to your patient. They might be telling you the diagnosis. And, and I know that that's really big and important to you as a podcast interviewer. You get a lot of insight by asking the question and then actively listening. To be the truth known, you're quite right, because normally when I interview somebody, I maybe have two questions and that's it, because your answer will lead me to my next question and take us in the direction you want to go to. And so it's not scripted and it's not me talking over you and it's not me trying to achieve the objective of getting my points across. It's me asking you to get your points out. And so that's my kind of hack, if you like, as well. Yeah. For readers who are listening to this, you should look at your, what it doesn't matter which player you use, you should push the button right now and go back 10 or 15 seconds and listen to what Rob just said. And then go back 10 or 15 seconds and listen to it again, because you ask a question, intently listen to the answers, and then you can ask the next question off of that. It's not about going through sample OPQRST. It's about listening to what they say and then digging deeper in. It annoys me to watch a lot of these newscasters, news reporters these days who have an agenda mm-hmm. and actually don't even let the, the, the speaker finish before they're either contradicting or correcting the answer that hasn't even been given yet. And that's not the way to conduct an interview or indeed a patient, you know, history-taking encounter. Man, 
history taking hack number seven is about situational awareness. And I know that we've seen this prior. You've seen the video. If not, we'll put into the show notes where there is a group of individuals all bouncing a basketball. And it says, count how many people in white. There's a, there's a team that's wearing white shirts, a team that's wearing a different colored shirt. And it's like, how many people, how many times do they pass the basketball between those that are uh, wearing the white shirt? And as you're intently focusing on the white shirt, you don't see that there's something happening in the background of the video and you're like, wait, I missed that. And if you watch the video again, you're like, how did I miss that? And I won't do any spoilers on that. I will leave that video with you, Rob, to put into the show notes. But I shared another video. And once again, it's about situational awareness and no spoiler alerts on that. Just watch the video and then watch it again and maybe again, and you'll continue to see more and more about situational awareness and understanding your surroundings. Great. Well, let's hack on to the next hack. Yep. Hack number eight is be kind. And I always just say this. There's a difference between being nice and being kind. I, I say that being nice is when you don't want to embarrass your colleague or your friend or your partner so you don't tell them they have spinach in their teeth. Being kind is telling them they have spinach in their teeth so they don't walk around all day with spinach in their teeth, right? It's being there as an advocate for the patient. And during this time, that's why I said, when you say things like, why did you call 911? You're already setting them up on the defense. You're already questioning who they are as a person instead of saying, man, this might be one of the worst days. So bad, in fact, that you reached out to us because you didn't have anybody else to call. How can I walk alongside of you? right? Be kind. History taking hack number nine was what your patient says may not be what they really mean. And how many of us have said, we've asked questions and you get to the hospital and then they answer. Somebody asks it slightly different or they thought through it and they say something. And I, I showed a, in this particular, this is more of a visual example, uh, but I showed a, a screenshot of a text where part of the middle of the text didn't go through. And so this buddy is texting his other buddy and the guy says, Hey, what's up? He's like, dude, you're going to kill me. I was a little drunk last night and talking to your wife and I ended up banging her and your daughter. Well, that's because the middle section of that text was missing. I mean, that sounds terrible, right? Dude, you're going to kill me. I was a little drunk last night talking to your wife and I ended up banging her and your daughter. It sounds crass. But the truth is that one missing part of the text that was undelivered, it's this, hey, what's up? Dude, you're going to kill me. I was a little drunk last night and I was talking to your wife and I ended up banging her car in the driveway when I pulled out. And I think I also hit your daughter's bike too. I'll come by and fix it later. But please say sorry for me to your wife and your daughter. Right? Listen to what your patient says and make sure you understand. We always think that they understand what we're saying. We understand what they're saying. Not necessarily. I have my last one for you. History taking hack number 10. And that is a list. And I'm going to share these this, this list with Rob so you can put them in the show notes. But it's a list of do's and don'ts. And it's don't ask leading questions. Ask open-ended questions. Skip don't skip important discussion items. Instead, dig further into those. Don't infer bias that creates the history. Instead, do start listening to the history. Don't interrupt. Instead, 
Do listen and follow up with additional questions. Don't assume the answer. Instead, do ask more relevant questions about the associated symptoms. Don't be afraid of the quiet. Do, instead, just give them time to think about it and provide more detail. Don't use medical lingo. Instead, do use plain language. Don't leave them confused, but do summarize what they told you. Don't believe that all five questions, OPQRSP, is all that you need. Instead, do look at that as the starting place and ask if there's anything they would like to add. I'm going to throw one in as well. Don't start a question with the words, wouldn't you agree that? Because I either A, have to agree, or B, argue. So as we close this up, let's take a look at that patient that we originally talked to and imagine all the questions we could have asked that patient and and talked to about having this feeling weak and this pressure on their chest, right? What brings you in today? Tell me how you're feeling. Are you currently in pain? How long have these symptoms been going on? Is there anything that makes these symptoms worse or relieves them? Are you taking medications or supplements for this? What about do you smoke, use alcohol, other drugs? How often do you exercise? What exercise activities do you usually do for how long? Describe a typical breakfast, lunch, or dinner, right? We're looking at fatty intakes or salt intakes. Have you had any heart surgeries in the past? What's your stress level right now? What's your stress level over the previous year? How about your family history? Do you have anybody who's living with you or is living that has heart disease or any cardiovascular issues? What about family members who've had cardiovascular issues and died at an early age? How old were they? What happened to them? What's your typical day? Any safety concerns, such as extended driving, right? Or any fainting spells? Did you ever experience chest pain? Is this the same as what you had before? Explain this like catching your breath. What do you mean by that? Is there wheezing? Is there shortness? Do you have a history of respiratory problems? Is it just just feeling weak? Do you ever feel like you don't have the energy or lethargic or fatigued? That heart, when you said it's racing, uh, does it feel different? Do you feel palpitations or anything like that? Do you have any swelling in your legs or feet? Is there anything else I should know? Beyond the sample in OPQRST, I just listed about 25 more questions you could have asked this one patient to get a better history and once again, be a better advocate for your patient. So that's exactly where we go from the medic to the podcaster, because the classic podcast ending question, Chris, is there anything I haven't asked or anything you haven't told me? Well, I think the thing that I would offer is that this isn't my presentation. This might be my presentation because I presented at the Big Sky uh, EMS Symposium, but I want to share all these resources and have everybody out there do that. So I'll be putting, uh, I'll be providing you, Rob, a link to this presentation as well as some of those show notes so that when people have this, they have access to take this same uh, presentation. And my goal is if one person's a better historian and one patient has better care because of this, it's worth it. And our job will be done. So, Chris, thank you. Don't forget, you can follow us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, and Amazon Music. And once again, if you're enjoying this show, please take a moment to rate and review us on the platform that you're listening on. Chris Call, thank you very much. How can we get in touch with you? Yeah, it's great. You know, it's Chris Call. It sounds like with C's, call like on a phone, but it's with K's, K-R-I-S. And my last name is Call, K-A-U-L-L. 
easy Google search. You can find me on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook. The truth is uh, I'm at my spot in my career that my job is to pay it forward and uh, help walk alongside of others as they're um, working through their journey in EMS, just like others have done for me before. So reach out, reach out and give me feedback or anything else you'd like to add to this. I agree with you. Our job now is to find the new us, uses, us, us plurals. Sir, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Rob, thanks for the invite. So that was another edition of the EMS One Stop. He was Chris Cool. I've been Rob Lawrence. And don't forget, you can follow me on Twitter at UKRobL1 or over on LinkedIn. Until next time, bye for now.